Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast that translates into Austrian as Zuna des Donas, which I did with a Spanish accent <laughs> just then. So should I try it again? Zun, how do you do it with the German? Nine. Zuna des Donas. I can't do it. It sounds Spanish. <laughs> Trust me. That's what it is in, in uh, Deutsch, in German or in Austrian. And that'll make sense as we get further into today's podcast. So to begin with, Father Dave, Marty, how are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, heading on holidays in two days. So I'm, I'm kind of in that frantic finished up work, but it's all very exciting because I can just stop working for three weeks. Where do you go? Where are you off to? Oh, I'm just going to go and stay a little it's spot a secret. south of Darwin. <laughs> I'm basically intending to sleep for two weeks and then I'm going to go for a one-week road trip up to the Kimberley. Oh, or, nice. Yeah. Can we now, join you? Now that the border's open. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, feel free to join me if you want. Do Sons of Thunder on the road. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go check out the Bungle Bungles and Kununara. And, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, we should, if you find internet access, we should zoom in with you. Yes, that could be Just fun. to spoil your holiday for an hour. <laughs> I went to Kananara for like two hours. Flying through? Yep. And then yep. we then we left. <laughs> <laughs> well, a uh, very well-traveled person is joining us today uh, by the name of David Batten. Dave has done some extensive travel, including through Outback Australia. Uh, Dave, it's great to see you. Uh, welcome to Sons of Thunder. It's a bit odd because we are sitting in the same house right now, but in different rooms. It just worked out easier with the audio. I can see him through the pane of glass on the other side. Dave, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have you been to Kananara? Have you been to the Bungle Bungles? Yeah, I have. Uh, we spent more than two hours in Kananara, but not a lot more. Um, I think, yeah, it was like a long lunch, so not too, too different back in 1996 and then um yeah we've seen the bungle bungles on the same trip a bit of a family kind of desert trip and yeah dave very jealous would love to kind of do a bit of a road trip around those parts mm. now for the sake of this podcast i think we should stick with dave and father dave or yeah, humor dave and father dave because if anyone has read the walk around the world book that is how they are distinguished it was actually deacon dave at the it was time deacon wasn't dave it? back then yeah Yes, yes, you went. I was going to suggest Father Dave and Batten Major. Yeah, well, that is what he was Which known is, as from one of our road trips. Because because mm -hmm. his younger brother was with us, who was Batten Minor. Minor. Not really. I mean, he didn't really like being called Batten Minor. <laughs> <laughs> he adapted, though. <laughs> Davey, do you have any uh, advice for Father Dave of places to see? Would you say bungle bungles? Go for it. Yeah, look, I'm more looking for Father Dave's advice to me once he's been. It's like, it's embarrassing, but that's like 24 years ago um, that I was there. Not that I expect the bungle bungles would have changed. How the whole embarrassing. Life. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, speaking of embarrassing, Dave, are you able to correct my German there? And we'll get to why Dave might know a little bit of Deutsch in a moment, but. I had it as Zuna des Donas. Yeah, look, it's not too bad, Sam. It's kind of somewhat Spanish, as you do say. Um, yeah. But see, if I do it, I'm going to butcher it because those words I don't know very well. But yeah, I'd be going more along the lines of uh, uh, Zona de um, Zona. Donne. Zona de Donas. <laughs> It still sounds Spanish. I'll tell you what, though, we're, we're, it is quite possible we have a few Austrian listeners to this particular podcast. So hello to all the Austrian 
listeners for this particular one. Now, you even, you even managed to say hello, hello, making it sound Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Dave did teach me to learn a little bit of Deutsch when I entered into Austria, even though Dave is not Austrian. Dave, do you remember the German you taught me? Uh, look, if memory serves, and I'll butcher this as well, it was, I'm a little pig. Yes, uh, it was. <laughs> ich, ich bin ein kleines Fein. Yes, yeah, well done. That was better. That was better? That <laughs> yeah, was good. good. Yeah, really awesome. helpful information. Universally as I applicable. Yeah. <laughs> I crossed the border into Austria, got an email from Dave when I was doing the walk, and that was his advice. Mm-hmm. You'll need some German. This will help you in Austria. Yeah. Uh, you also gave me a second sentence, which was, I ride a kangaroo to work every day. Yeah, there you go. Did and you, the funny didn't, thing didn't is... Didn't bother memorising that one. <laughs> I did at the time. I can't remember it. No, no. And for the, here's the funny thing. Both of them actually ended up being fantastic icebreakers <laughs> because the Austrians would ask me, what do you know in, in Deutsch? And I'd say those two sentences, and there'd be about two seconds of stunned silence... <laughs> And then they'd burst out laughing and they actually, they served a purpose. So even though you were sending them to me being stupid, they actually mm. worked. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. yeah, I think most of the best advice I've given has pretty much been pretty much uh, got, gone that way. I intend it as a joke and it turns out to be accidentally helpful. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realise that you had such quality takes. <laughs> So, Dave, you live in New South Wales mm. and you ended up having a, a, quite a, a deepening of faith when you went out on a mission trip many, many, many years ago. Uh, was that to PNG? I can't remember, but I know it was up that way somewhere. Yeah, 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 close, a little further north. Yeah, um, Thailand and um, Cambodia. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. How, how old were you? So, yeah, did two trips, let me think, in 2001. So, yeah, I just turned 20. Um, was just about to turn 20, sorry. Yeah, and went with a Amaris priest, Father Ron Nissen, um, on a little journey he called The Other Half. Yeah. I've met him. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty amazing opportunity. And I'd met him through summer schools and those types of events and, you know, kind of bumped into each other here and there. And then he ran a little bit of a charismatic retreat at our local parish, which my mum and I went along to. And, yeah, just led to conversation and, you know, a couple more conversations and lunch. And then he said, look, he's putting together this trip. He's thinking of calling it the other half, inviting some young, young Australians along uh, where you'll get to see, I suppose, how the other half live, if you will, um, in Thailand and Cambodia. So Thailand was focused a lot around the Thai, Myanmar, Burma border with refugees. And in Cambodia, it was predominantly sorry around um, refugee camps and a lot of schools and poverty areas there. So, yeah, amazing experience. Because that, that was a bit of a turning point for you, wasn't it? Look, look, it was. It was for a number of reasons. And it's... What it's happened nice. to you when you were there? <laughs> yeah, many things. In- Actually, Marty wants to ask the question, how did Jesus find you? Yeah, well... Um, See, I can presume that that was in previous episodes. Yes, it is. That Dave I... has not listened to a single episode. He, he admitted that earlier it. on. <laughs> I've been a very poor listener, so I'll, uh, I'll be sure to remedy that. Um, I'm sure you'll really... listen to this one. <laughs> yes, repetitively. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound of my own voice. It's one of those funny things that at the time I think I'd I, I had felt that I'd learnt things and I felt I knew what was important to me. But as life's gone on, 
you know, things that I had learned and experiences I'd gained probably became more apparent. And so learn obviously a lot about the culture in Thailand, a lot about the culture in Cambodia and these people's experiences and the, the socio-political environment over there and the civil war in Myanmar, like the civil war in Cambodia back in the 70s and 80s. And all of that was, um, yeah, really, really challenging stuff, especially, you know, as a young person that only had a, a small idea of what had gone on in those countries. But I think the biggest thing that I took away from it was the resilience of the people over there. Like these experiences that have gone through in Thailand, you speak to so many people in these refugee camps that have lost all of their siblings or, you know, you know, maybe siblings and a parent and the only one still alive is actually in one of the armed forces in the country still and, you know, might be kind of killed. And just their resilience and the way they all came together as a community yeah it was just absolutely beautiful and so yeah that was that was probably the largest thing I took away because you go I went over there as a fairly young Australian that kind of thought you know coming from a country where we've got all these privileges terrific education system good kind of society and obviously a great you know no civil strife terrific government and I went over there and obviously all of those things I think are true but I think some of the things that we lack at times are those family and friendship bonds. And yeah, I, I couldn't get a, couldn't get over how well they supported each other through 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 times. Mm. Uh, I imagine, Father Dave, this wouldn't sound like any particular accident that this has impacted on Dave, because for the MGLs, that that mission immersion is a very significant part of your formation, not just your mission once a priest. Well, that's right, and and we often try and take groups of young guys out for those immersion trips as well. I, I think because it's, it's I, I love the name that Father Ron gave to that called the other half, because, you know, you, you live in this little bubble and you forget how the other half lives or more correctly, how the other 90% live. Um, mm. You know, so it, it just breaks you out of your little self-centered world. I think sometimes, you know, and you realize, hang on, there's more to this life than just me and my own pleasure and happiness. And that can then open you up to the mystery of God. Mm. And then Dave, Dave Major, otherwise known as Puma Dave, you continued the ministry work, the mission work, and all four of us have served with Youth Mission Team Australia. And that is actually how I know Dave Batten, because Dave and I, not knowing each other, ended up on the same team. We became really good mates. We ended up getting our motorcycle licenses together while serving with Youth Mission Team Australia that year. We saved up our $25 a week. You got 25 It was only 10 bucks a week when I was on it. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think they paid for quality, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Father Dave, were you about $10 or were you zero? I think it was technically about 25 but I can't remember ever getting paid it because we never had any money. <laughs> yeah okay yeah that that rings a bell too <laughs> it was capped at ten dollars a week right? assuming you had money to spare after but you most weeks it food. was probably zero yeah <laughs> so dave and i remained great mates and this is this podcast is a little bit indulgent today because in front of me are three of my closest friends in marty dave and father dave now dave puma dave Dave Batten takes on a, a special role in the book of the Walk Around the World because he's the only person to have written an email to me where that email actually made the book. The publishers thought that his email was actually probably better than my book. 
feel like my my book was published so that Dave's email could actually be published as well. Have you thought about have you thought about um like cutting out the middleman and just publishing your emails independently, Batten? <laughs> well, see, Sam until now had not made me aware of this, Marty. So yeah, I'm starting to yeah, I'm starting to think down that line. <laughs> uh, so we actually have it here in front of us. Dave and I have uh, the book in front of us. And what we'd like to do for, for the listeners and for Marty and Father Dave is actually read out what Dave had written to me. So this is the sort of help in inverted commas that I received while walking around the world. And this is why Dave is known as Puma Dave these days. It was after I had come face to face with a Puma in South America, which Marty doesn't believe actually happened because I didn't get a photograph of it. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read out the email that Puma Dave sent me. Actually, Dave, can you please give some background here? As Because this was originally meant to be a serious email, wasn't it? Well, yeah, like... Um, inadvertently, and probably Marty touched on this before. A lot, a lot of my gems are very inadvertent, but I'd been I'd been an avid follower of Sam's blog, and he'd just written about this experience he'd had with um, a puma um, hunting him down over, you know, in, in the jungle in South America. And I kind of thought, look, a lot of Sam's um, situations that he ends up in have been dangerous and very very threatening, worrying. And I was always ignorant. But I kind of thought this is one thing that I can actually, while sitting in front of my computer at home, actually kind of research. And so I thought for once in my life, I can actually add some value. So I thought I'd just kind of Google what you're actually supposed to do when there's a puma around and thought I'd actually pop your email. But as I was, I kind of copied and pasted it. And as I was kind of reading it, I kind of was starting to find it more and more hilarious. So I wanted to kind of convey that to Sam. So... Is that the challenge, is to work out which bits like a genuine third-party advice and, and which bits are... Commentary. Less than that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have actually been a good challenge, Sam. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> but Dave and I have already decided that I'm going to read out the actual and he's going, Dave's going to read out his insertions. So you won't actually have to guess too much. You got it there, Dave? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Okay, so Dave begins with, Sam, I found some stuff on Puma's. I've inserted my own advice. I am, in fact, a Puma expert. Consider me your personal David Attenborough, as you will see from my sound and well-thought-out logic. Avoid hiking alone. You'll probably struggle with that one unless you take my advice with the child. See below. Especially between dusk and dawn, this is when Puma usually does its hunting. Make plenty of noise, e.g. talk, so as to reduce the chances of surprising a Puma. You will probably look insane, although judging by the niceness of the locals, you won't be losing any reputation points. (laughs) Always keep children within arms reach in areas that could conceal a puma. Pumas appear to be drawn to children. A better idea would be to always have a child with you. You could use it (laughs) as bait. (laughs) You get your butt out of there. If a puma is encountered, always remain calm and and maintain eye contact. Do not run away. This may trigger an attack response. You are pretty fast and trying to outrun a puma would look great on your blog and would also make a great epitaph. (laughs) Make sure you get a photo. (laughs) As you're dying. (laughs) Preferably as it's leaping through the air. Make yourself look bigger by raising your arms. You already look big. Don't waste any energy with arms. Maybe just make an angry face. (laughs) All children should be lifted to avoid them from panicking. This will also make the person look larger. And provide a terrific photo opportunity. 
with a puma jumping two meters into the air to eat the child. <laughs> I see Marty Owls on your side all along. <laughs> In the event of an attack, the only advice offered is to fight back. In these situations, try to think about the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. A better option would be Conan the Destroyer. Remember when Arnie punched the horse and knocked it out? Just do that. People have on occasion successfully driven off, off attacks with rocks, sticks, and even their bare hands. Guns are better. <laughs> Fortunately, such attacks are rare. And successful attacks often go undocumented as the puma population is largely illiterate. <laughs> if you have any more animal-related inquiries, Sam, just email. Cheers, Dave. <laughs> Oh, that brings so, back memories. That is actually the edited version too. The actual email was double that length. The uh, publishers edited it down to that. But Dave from then on was known as Puma Dave. And from that point on, there, there was always emails coming through. Father Dave was offering very genuine emails and advice. And lots of, uh, basically Father the same Dave thing. Father Dave was offering good advice. Well, <laughs> the thing is, Dave's put good advice there. He just has he just couldn't help himself and inserted his own opinion alongside it. <laughs> Father Dave did the same thing, but his own opinion was normally saturated in charity. <laughs> A little bit later on, Dave. That trend, did... I probably dare say, has not abated. No, it hasn't. Not at no. all. Dave, you did come to my help later on in a very genuine way. This was a really significant moment in the journey. I had worn holes in my boots in Canada, USA, walking through snow. But there was a problem in that I, my hiking boots are a size 16. I cannot walk into a shop and simply buy shoes. They don't exist. You usually have to order online or there'll be one or two stores in a country that will supply boots my size. And I couldn't get any. The world had sold out of size 16 hiking boots. And Dave took it upon himself to actually try and find me some and managed to track down a pair in a warehouse in Sydney. Dave found them, purchased them for me, and then sent them to Austria because Dave knew someone living over in Austria and he organised for them to go to a certain address and then I would go and pick them up. However, when I arrived to pick them up, there was something there more than the boots. David actually jumped on a plane and flown all the way from Australia to Austria to hand me those boots. He literally hand-delivered them on the side of the road in Austria, which mm -hmm. was a... Look, getting the boots was a wonderful surprise, but, but to actually have you standing on the side of the road was quite extraordinary. He didn't think you'd come if he said, I'm coming to visit you. He said, I've got these boots for you. So <laughs> come for the boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much all I had to offer. It wasn't the company. <laughs> but the other thing was that I'd actually, I'd hoped about, I suppose it would have been six months earlier or something like to see Sam in Mexico, but I just couldn't, couldn't get it to happen. And so, yeah, it was a pretty amazing kind of opportunity to go and yeah, meet up with him in Austria, obviously towards the end of his um, yeah, journey. So, but yeah, it was all a surprise and I'd been kind of obviously working on it for months. So it was pretty hard kind of not to let him know about the surprise, but <laughs> super fun. And look, I was, for the first day, I was genuinely taken aback at how far you'd travelled to visit me. But then it dawned on me slowly that you had 
an ulterior motive. Yeah, a little bit. David. Yeah. We mean a little. <laughs> so the year prior um, with my family, we've been kind of holidaying in Bosnia-Herzegovina in, at Medjugorje, which yeah, I'm sure you guys and probably most listeners would know is a uh, fairly significant uh, Catholic pilgrimage site. And whilst holidaying there... Hold on. Your wife's Austrian, isn't she? A little bit, yeah. Please, please. I've just the penny's just dropped. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed, and yeah, the, the penny did drop because uh, in the supermarket um, in in Medjugorje, this lovely looking lady in front dropped a coin, and I was there with my cousin, my sister, <laughs> and so I went, I bent down to pick the coin up. Funnily enough, she actually kind of beat me to it and grabbed the coin, and I recognised. She thought you were going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do look fairly shifty, it's true. And I recognised her as being one of the people that were staying in the same accommodation that we were. This kind of, I suppose it's, you know, over in Medjugorje, there's a lot of families and they put up pilgrims. Um, And so originally that was the situation here, but then the accommodation became a little bigger. And so quite a number of people were staying there. But then we got to kind of chatting. Yeah, quite quickly, I um, developed quite a liking. <laughs> and much, a much fondness. To, that's right. Much to my family's amusement, Eva and I would like sit up the back of the bus, kind of you know chatting as we're kind of going to different places, like in Medjugorje, and they'd be kind of turning around and kind of smirking and yeah, talking about this this possible relationship. And so Eva and I, after that, had like started chatting quite quite often, writing letters, sending kind of packages in the mail, and then so I had told. Uh, Sam about the shoes that'd be at Eva's family's place for Easter. But in fact, yeah, I had accompanied the shoes and was spending a, a few weeks over in Aust- Austria to um, meet or see Eva and the family. So it really was a case of Dave saying, here are your shoes, now go away. <laughs> imagine, imagine if she never dropped the penny. Things could have turned out so differently. Yeah. I'm always fascinated yeah, no. by those stories, like <laughs> how people meet see, like be- that. See, Bad things aren't always bad. <laughs> well, the thing is, you can ask a bit deeper because Father Dave and Marty, you might have noticed that Dave is only listening to us with one earpiece in. There's a reason for that. Eva, could you please jump into shot? Eva's been listening to the whole thing. She's sitting off to the side here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> they have been putting me down on the floor that whole time and I couldn't sit for any longer. So can you so can you correct Sam's German now? Söhne des Donners, you say. That's uh that's much better. Söhne des Donners. Söhne, because it's an umlaut au and you pronounce it like an ö. So you would say Söhne des Donners. Söhne des Donners. Yeah, it still sounds okay. Spanish. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, it gets you every time. Sons of Thunder. There you go. Sons of Thunder, the podcast that sounds better in English. So maybe maybe next week, Marty, you could be doing a Latin episode. I think it might take a bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> so Eva, has Dave just told us the truth there? Is this how it transpired? Yeah. It was like this, like David and I, we met in Metro Goria and I have been on holidays with my family in Kocula, which is a little Croatian island. And we stopped in Metro Goria for the youth festival. 
and we all wanted to go home and my mom said no no stay and i pay for your stay and and um my family left and i found an austrian bus who said they would take me home back home to austria and so she gave me the money and she said please stay we are going home you need that prayer you need that special time with our lady you just stay there and funny enough i went to that supermarket i dropped the coin like the night before uh david was sitting in the dining room with his cousins and his sister and um david and i we looked at each other because i went in the room and um i don't know there was like i thought sparks flew guy behind the table but not that we talked and then we saw each other in the supermarket again and i promise i didn't drop that coin on purpose it and i didn't even know he was behind me that was really unintentional i didn't do it just to attract Dave's attention but then he was behind me and he picked up the coin and I really liked him and the way he was expressing himself and the way he was laughing and everything I just thought what a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> really liked his advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I guess it was meant to be because my mom she basically forced me to stay. She was saying you need to stay. And yeah, I just think that was all God's plan that David and I met in that special place. Mm. And then I got to act as the wingman, unintentional and not knowing that I was. More the boot man. You're the boot man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got to spend Easter together. It was actually quite, it was beautiful. I think I arrived on Holy Thursday in St. Fed Underglan in Austria and yeah. got to spend all of Easter with you. Mm with the, the Stromberger family, which was beautiful. Dave, how long did you stay? Two weeks. Because it was I I just um yeah, I'd started a new job. And so yeah, it was pretty much all I could um, get off at that stage was yeah, about two weeks. Um and it just I just remembered that Eva was emailing you um, you know, with a number of the the details on kind of yeah the holiday. So Eva was even involved in the misdirection of getting you to kind of stay for yeah that whole kind of Easter period. And yeah, it was lovely. We'd kind of, yeah, went to kind of mass each day and um, yeah, you got to meet the whole family. And What I can still remember, we were coming home from the Holy Saturday Mass and we drove home. I was playing the organ because I'm a pipe organ player and we came home from that beautiful Mass and Jesus Christ has risen. And Sam was singing in the in the back of the car. Hallelujah, <laughs> Jesus Christ is risen. <laughs> and he was singing that Hallelujah for at least I don't know twenty minutes. And I just thought, what a nice man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's oh, not the, crazy. He's not at all. <laughs> I, hang on, in my defence, I think it was more that I was singing what you had been playing and the choir was singing at the Mass. And, yeah, it was a, a, <laughs> an amazing celebration and I was merely continuing that. Yeah, blame that's, someone else. That's my story anyway. On this idea of coincidences, 
We just we've just done a uh, alpha course in our parish, and one of the things in that, the Nikki Gumbel says, um, you can you can put these things down to coincidences, but I find that when I pray, coincidences happen. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I think it's super profound because when you kind of think about it in those types of ways, I think I don't know. I think life takes on new meaning, and also, and this is probably taking the conversation on a slight tangent, but you don't interpret um, things that initially seem good or bad as necessarily good or bad. Like it kind of gives, gives you a new perspective on, you know, on life. And I suppose the fact that, yeah, there is a purpose to so many things that, yeah, don't initially seem to have that. Mm. I mean, people will talk about, you know, a match made in heaven, but it very much sounds like Mary set you guys up. Do, do you guys have a particular devotion to Mary in your marriage as a result of that? I've grown up in a very Marian family. My mum's, you know, um, yeah, big into the relationship with Mary and so is Eva. And Eva's um, a massive devotee of Medjugorje where obviously there's been, um, yeah, a number of um, apparitions from uh, Mary over the years. So I suppose the answer would be yes, Dave, Father Dave. <laughs> now, I grew up with, in a family with a father who had this deep face like a child. And he would like go, we had a big um, statue of Our Lady of Fatima on our farm. My, my uh, parents, they own a farm and um, he, he would go there like a child and he would say, please, Our Lady, help me with this and help me with that. And I just think with my family, I have really developed this deep relationship to Our Lady, like like a mother you can go to and you can ask for anything you like. And that's really beautiful that you know you are never alone, you are never by yourself. And even if you think everybody has left you, there's still Our Lady in heaven and she will help and she will listen. And there's no time of the day you can't come and say, please help, please, can I tell you this or that? And yeah. that's a beautiful I mean. And even you are now, you've, you've had some massive changes in life. If we go back, I don't know how long, let's say 15 years ago, you were probably thinking that you'd be living your life in, was it Northern Italy? No, no, no. Was it in I, Austria? You mean when I was in the convent? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, when I was 21, I joined a Franciscan convent. So I was yeah. a nun for three years. I did my first vows, but I really loved that Franciscan spirituality, like living in a simple way, taking your life as it comes. And I just really loved that way of living how Saint Francis saw the world and his relationship with God and I just thought there must be more to life so I just joined that order in Austria um, and there were some other young nuns there and I loved it and I did a lot of youth work and it was a really nice experience but I just felt that I don't think I can do that for the rest of my life. And so I just lived with some women in a share household for 
like after I left the convent, I was living with some women in a share household for another three years. And then I decided to go home and um, live with my parents and, and just work as a teacher and, and everything. And, and I'm so grateful for that experience. Even like you learn so much if you are living in a spiritual community. Just you build this life inside. Um, you have this spiritual life and you have this in, inside. And I guess I will never lose this. And like just a few months after I went back home, I actually met Dave in Medjugorje. And I just think it was all a big plan, which has worked out really well. And you have that extraordinary mission now of your family. Yeah, like Dave and I have four children and we want the children to, to live in the faith. We want the children to talk to Jesus, to talk to Our Lady, the saints. It's beautiful just to pass on your life experiences and what's important to you in your life to your children. And Davin and I really, like, we try our best to teach so on that note, children. On that note, Eva, how is Dave going? I want a scorecard. How is Dave going at teaching your kids the rosary? How are you going, David? No, no, you need to score me. We need to do this objectively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David. Sounds like there's room for improvement, yeah, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it certainly sounds like that. Eva's just not wanting to give me a low score to back up your your um, <laughs> your message, Marty. Yeah, no, they're not too bad. They're not too bad, but we need to do some work. I'll, I'll back you up here. I was quite surprised by Grace at the meal the other day. So obviously last night, the night before, Grace before meals. How old are your twins? Six. Six. So one of it was one of the one of the twins was leading Grace, and I thought, oh, this will be cute, a six-year-old leading Grace. Grace took five minutes, and she went around the table asking each person to give thanks for something, and their prayers were actually really deep. They were praying for each, each person here at the table. They're giving thanks to Jesus for certain things. And actually, this is what I remember about you, Dave. When we served on Youth Mission Team back in 2002, anytime you said grace before a meal, it took five minutes and you'd always forget to say anything about the food. <laughs> and it's nice to see you have actually passed that on to the children. I made an effort last night, if memory serves, to um, talk about the food because I knew I'd get picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. The kids are great like that. Um, they've got a lot of faith. And I think... Eva's yeah, terrific mum in that regard with the twins because yeah, they're often kind of talking about problems and Eva's yeah, getting the twins to kind of you know pay for things and yeah, with the kids we've got quite a lot of books and the kids love books anyway, so that's that's an easy way for us to kind of I suppose talk to the kids about faith is you know simply kind of in the, in the evening kind of reading through books. So just on on that, I just want to come at coincidences for a moment. Does that you know when you pray for stuff, especially with kids, because you teach your kids to pray for stuff. And it's so easy afterwards, like you've got a problem or an issue or something that, you know, whatever it is, bad, uncomfortable, something, and and you ask Jesus or Mary to fix it for you. And then 
oftentimes it disappears and it's not an issue anymore. So you sort of forget about it and uh, trundle on with life, basically acting like the nine lepers that didn't come back to say thank mm. you. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's really important to, to actually recognise these things. I'll give you an example. I, a guy I know who's not a Christian or anything, but he, he told me the other day, he said, oh, this, I can't remember the situation, but this thing happened. And I was, I said, I said, if this came off, I'm going to become Catholic. And then, you know what? It actually happened. Like there's, there's, there was no chance. And I said to him, so now you've got to follow through on your promise, don't you? And he said, oh, no, I don't, you know. <laughs> I didn't really mean it. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, in dire circumstances. Yeah, no, and that's one of the nice things with the, I don't know, as Sam said, we have a very colourful kind of grace. And it kind of it talks about praying for things and also like giving thanks and odds and ends. But yeah, the twins are just lovely in that regard because it's they really remember what they prayed for in previous nights. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll see it crop up in subsequent evenings and subsequent weeks. And yeah, it's a lovely kind of thing to rem remind yourself of when you do pay for things, what has been important over the past few days and weeks. So yeah, yeah, completely agree. You need it, you need to keep it in mind. Dave, can we draw that out a little bit just with your own journey? Because you, you've also had some big changes uh, and keeping in mind of reflecting on where you've been in the last few years, you've brought about some significant changes as well. So what's the direction you're heading now? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> a friend of mine uh, called Will, we both a few years ago started doing a Master of Business because I, I think we both thought it'd be the next logical kind of step in our career and why not? So we kind of ticked along and we kind of did that part-time. But then I finished that and I felt no calling in the slightest to further my career, to kind of go further up, up the ladder, if you will. It just did not sit with me at all. In fact, I'd say the opposite. And so for a number of months, I enjoyed not studying. Um, and then after a little while... <laughs> uh, after a while, you realise you spent years enjoying not studying. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, very true. Um, and then I, I, I kind of... I've been reading a book and it's called Your Own Worst Enemy, Memory Search, and it's by an American psychologist. And it's basically about people that are, um, frankly speaking, chronic underachievers. And part of the book is kind of identifying in your life where you want to go with your career and your life. And so time after time after again, towards the end of the book, you need to kind of reflect on where in your life are you, where have you been in the past and where you want to go in the future. And a lot of it's just kind of, trying to get you to quickly think of things and it's so it's less of a conscious thing it's more of an unconscious kind of you know what's that kind of desire it's also it's almost kind of prayerful in that regard even though i don't know if the, the, the guy's um christian or not but what kept coming up with three things in my life that i was really interested in history um astrophysics and psychology and eva quite bluntly made it clear to me that the first two were not job opportunities <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to find a job as a historian. I'll quickly admit I'm not smart enough to be an astrophysicist. And so then, you know, I kind of really started seriously thinking about psychology. I've, I've always found it quite an intriguing kind of area. And Dave, I was, I was thinking about your three career options, whether you could become like a specialist psychologist for astrophysicists mm. and historians. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Maybe you could like market yourself particularly as that. That's a specialist a psychologist dealing with people 
specialists in the in the history of astrophysics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if Dave will have many clients then, but it's I a like bit of a niche industry. <laughs> Yeah. I, like, I like the uh, the idea of that. I'm sure they need help. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there is something in trying to get a job in a field where there's jobs. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not new. It's not just us. It's a bit like that, you know, since humans were invented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reality kind of catches up with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, at the start of last year, I started doing a graduate diploma in psychology. And I went in pretty hard. Um, like I kind of thought, if I'm going to do it, I'll do it properly. And the more I've been studying it, the more I've um, yeah really kind of taken to it. Uh, it's really opened my eyes about a lot of things. And I've actually just found out from work, I'm going to be getting a voluntary redundancy. And so next year, I'll actually be doing the honours year. And I've been speaking to local psychology practices. So hopefully, then the next year, I'll become a provisional psychologist. Another wow. coincidence with the uh, voluntary redundancy that actually helps you as you make that transition. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, so I um, I mean, we spent a bit of time together over the over the years, Dave. Um, I never realised that you were messed up enough to do psychology. <laughs> See, I'm good at hiding it. <laughs> yeah, as Freud would say, I've got good defence mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, no, but isn't it true? I mean, you kind of. There's plenty of evidence of that, like mechanics with bad cars and such. Um, <laughs> you can't help but do it. But the more you learn about psychology, you apply it to yourself. You think about yourself. You interpret it through your own. Yeah. And also, you think about certain friends, Marty. No, but it is thoroughly interesting. And uh, uh, look, and I, congratulations, I'll... Dave, on heading towards graduation with a high distinction average. Well done. Yeah, cheers. It, it stands in stark contrast to my undergraduate degree, <laughs> which I'm still surprised I ever obtained. Yeah, I never n n never realised you were that smart either. <laughs> no, there's so much that I know about you. Yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> it's been a quite intriguing afternoon, hasn't it? But I should make a couple of comments briefly that, yeah, I would not have been able to do it without Eva. Um, yeah, there's no way, no hope. Like there's been a lot of hours I've been able to do it within, you know, kind of um, work and time here and time there, but a lot of it's been kind of, you know, family time. And so whenever you, you know, as I'm sure you all know, whenever you kind of go back to study when you're working, you have to kind of carve time out of something and Eva's been super supportive. One nice thing is Eva's, um, I mean, Eva's already got a number of qualifications, but she's gone back to study this year as well. She's doing a music course. And so now- That was my next question. Now we're both students and we're shortly about to be now um, unemployed students. <laughs> awesome. I, I remember that. That was, a, that was the best. <laughs> Either I don't know if I've got this right or not, but did you, did Dave tell me that you actually sat in on some online tutorials for him? Nah, I've never done that. Um, Eva was, um, <clears throat> I suppose um, she was my, that, that was an online exam. <laughs> that is why, why he got all of the high distinctions because I was sitting in for him. Can we edit this out of the interview, please? <laughs> or was it sure. you were following threads, nope. Eva, for Dave? Yeah, no, Eva, I um, joined up for the first time to a, a, a Facebook group in one of my previous Ah, uh, right. And Eva was reading all the comments of That sounds uh, legal. Students. Yeah, and so she was basically telling me everything I needed to know about the course and what was happening. Oh, that's just yeah. a re that's just, that's a research assistant. That's what that's called. <laughs> yeah, she was good at it. Very good at it. 
Uh, well done, Eva, on that, that active support. Is Dave supporting you with the music? Oh, yeah, he's very good. I have those weekends where I need to go to Sydney and, and do the, the um, courses. And he's very supportive and looks after the children. And yeah, it is really good. We, we have a really good relationship like this. We just support each other whenever it's needed. And, and that's really good. And, and I don't like now body minds. Like we just know when the other person needs that. Support. Father Dave, put you on the spot here a little bit. Would you mind giving some uh, free tips, marriage counselling for these two? And uh, Dave and Eva, could you rate yourself out of 10 of how you're actually going with these bits of advice that Father Dave has picked up over the years in talking to couples? Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it, you can be honest. It sounds like they're doing pretty good. Communication sounds good. Prayer family time on the surface i'd say that sounds like a pretty solid marriage yeah i think we're doing quite well like early on in the relationship i think we had a lot of you know challenges because eva was from overseas and i kind of had a number of kind of fixed term kind of jobs so we had kind of financial stresses and um and then down in melbourne we didn't have any family around when we started having kids but i don't know it kind of just felt like life's gotten a lot more i was gonna about to say the word easier that's how it's felt but I think it's one of those ironies is we're actually probably more, we have more challenges right now and we're achieving more things, but it just feels like more things are lining up, which is yeah quite lovely. We talked about that a few episodes ago when we talked about marriage and that just think that's a really good start is not having everything perfect and just getting on with it and mm -hmm. struggling when you need to struggle. And part of it, you know, as you say, getting easier, but sort of probably feels getting easier, but you can a capacity to do stuff and to love more after that is probably really increased as well. I think so. I, I read about a study, funnily enough, which was exactly on that. <laughs> and they, they basically tested early. Uh, they, they looked at young couples that were recently married. And if their parents helped them out a lot financially, and also if they had a really long and let's say expensive honeymoon, there was a higher chance of divorce. So, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, being more self-sufficient in your first kind of years of marriage and, you know, facing more challenges did actually seem to give you a better foundation. Struggle on. Yeah, yeah. Eva, <laughs> Eva, what was the hardest part about moving to Australia? I really missed my family and I have not been a person who has been travelling much. So my first flight ever, like when I have ever been on an airplane was when I flew with Dave to Australia for the World Youth Day in Sydney. Wow. So I, I have been traveling with a car in Europe because it is easy. You just cross the border. You're in a different country. But I was not traveling much. And so for me, it was a very big thing to move to Australia. And I think when like when our first child, when Michael was born and I had this tiny little baby and my family was not with me and um, they couldn't see the baby and that was really hard for me. But I kind of learned to deal with this and I saw that David and I, we are meant to be with each other and I just learned to cope with this better that my family is so far and we traveled to Austria several times and 
they met our children over there and six years ago when my father passed away my father was quite sick my mom she started to come out to australia and that was nice too to have her with us for a month and the kids really really like spending time with her this year she obviously couldn't come because of covid and everything what's going on in austria this year and everywhere all, all over the world so that really helped that i had the opportunity to go back and my mom coming out mm, beautiful if you look back on your lives how has jesus changed you <laughs> that's a really that's a deep question Marty. yeah just rattle them off you know <laughs> yeah yeah well from from number one to number 10 <laughs> it's funny and i know this is a poor way to answer the question but I was chatting to a, a friend of mine, William, who I mentioned before, who's also a Christian. And <laughs> he posed a question. He said, if you found out tomorrow that God wasn't real, what would you change? And I thought about it for a few minutes. I said, you know what? I don't think I'd change anything. And I know that's a really ironic kind of way to answer the question. But I think that I, I feel like um, what kind of God and the faith gives me is something that kind of permeates a lot of my life. And a lot of my life is kind of, you know, hopefully structured towards that you know, in the way that I kind of, you know, work, the way that I kind of interact interact with kind of friends and family and, and, you know, how I kind of behave and everything. Truth, goodness and beauty. Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. But I think for me personally, I think the most important thing is trust because, you know, uh, so many big things happen in life and so many big things happen so often. And this year has been such a trying year. I mean, I'm sure for everyone. And I've, I've felt the pinch a number of times this year. But just, I suppose, realising that I don't control everything. There's only a certain number of things that I can control. And, you know, giving it all to God. That's um, perhaps, yeah, the thing, one of the things that I'm most grateful to God for. Yeah, I, I think if it wasn't for that, yeah, I would, I would have a much more stressful and, you know, anxious life. But having that kind of faith that God's got things, yeah, I can, yeah, let go a little bit more. Yeah, and... I think that I have become more patient over the years. I'm a bit of an emotional person and I take things to heart very quickly. And I have just learned to be calm, to be calm and not always get worked up about things. And, and um, as David says, to trust in God and that you and everything will be okay and nobody is perfect and 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 i'm not perfect and i just think if you realize this in marriage <laughs> that uh, we are both two people who try our best and we can't do it all perfectly then a marriage can work and pray that you just make the right decisions with the children, with the partner. And that's what I have learned, that I just need to be calm and not so emotional. You could write an epistle, love is patient, love is kind. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. And that was a big learning process for me. <laughs> and I, I bring that up because I think we don't, think much these days about the transforming power of Jesus in our lives. We don't sort of get told about it much. You can sort of get wrapped up in 
you know, even church and the gospel. But if you ignore this bit that Jesus actually wants to change us and turn us into different people, it doesn't really sort of make sense. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us who have been on a journey since childhood for a long time because of faithful parents um, and sort of knowing Jesus for a lot, it's a bit hard sometimes to think back and go, you know, without necessarily a exact moment of conversion where I used to be terrible and and then everything changed, which which happens for some people, it happens for a lot of people, but for mm. for most of us, that's less the case. I think it's a good thing to think back and go, yeah, I've, and I say the same thing. I've changed hugely. Mm-hmm. I used to be, I used to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and now people would say that I still am, but. Um, <laughs> but well, yeah, patience, which I've never been patient to like actually just till sort of recently, my, my kids are telling me that I'm, that I'm patient. I think, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, what, I... what are you, ta- what are you talking about? But so obviously there's something going on there. I used to be argumentative. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Have you addressed some of those Go on, you're not a psychologist yet. <laughs> no, you can see me stumbling around the dark. Um, but those things that you thought about deliberately and I suppose try to change deliberately and through kind of prayer or are you kind of, have you just kind of looked back and observed that, oh, wow, those changes have happened? A bit of both. There's been times, particularly in adoration, where I sit down and realise how bad I am in all sorts of areas at different, you know, different times and, just go, Lord, this is me and it's pretty ugly. I remember one time I thought, I heard, you know, the, the Lord's voice in my head saying, you were even uglier when I first met you. And I thought, that's strangely comforting, you know. <laughs> yep. But I think it's it's a testimony to that, the walk with the Lord. The And it might, you know, it takes years. But great example, I think, is my grandparents. If I look back at my nonna nonna, my Italian grandparents, I only knew them when they were old. And they had spent their whole lives, you know, going to Mass every Sunday, receiving Jesus, praying the rosary, praying. And when they were old, they were loving, patient, lovely, holy people. And I hear the stories, particularly about my grandfather when he was younger. Yeah, sure. And he wrote a book. I've read his book. He, he wasn't like that. He wasn't like that all his life. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brother Dave, I don't know your background here. Is your family all practicing in the faith? Uh, yeah. So you also yes. grew up in a faithful family. Grew up in a faithful family. Yes. Yeah. I've got a got an auntie who's a Carmelite nun. Oh, I did know that. So uh, yeah. So okay, it was, you win. It was, it was it was kind of presumed that we we were all Catholic. You know, but a great uncle who was um, a passionist. <laughs> Actually, this reminds me. Dave has taught his two six-year-old twins to play poker, mm. and yeah. they beat me. <laughs> <laughs> You, you can have a go at uh, chess tonight with Michael. Oh, no, thanks. Yeah, COVID, it's been one of the advantages of COVID. What's your favourite style of prayer? Um, I like praying the rosary um, because I like Our Lady and I, I like praying the Ave Maria over and over again. And I can feel inside how I calm down. And I like yeah, going yeah. to bed, even if I have a busy day, I like going to bed holding this rosary and, and praying. 
And even if I don't get through the whole row three, I just now I have given what I could give and I it calms me down and I think I have I have to say I am devoted to our lady, to the saints. I really, really um, feel there is a big connection there. Do you know much about St. Francis de Sales? Uh, Franz from Sales? Um, yeah, a um, little bit, but not too much. Just, uh, that reminded me of St. Francis de Sales, always praying the rosary after a busy day before going to bed. Yeah. Always finish the day that way. Yeah, um, it is nice. And you kind of think you have finished your day. It's really nice. Hmm. Apparently... If you don't finish it, your guardian angel finishes it for you. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you can verify that. but. <laughs> <laughs> so you just make the angels work, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I reckon it kind of makes sense, you know, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? When you start a prayer, you're probably, you know, still praying even afterwards. I reckon, I reckon there's some the theology to that. Father Dave? As Marty said, I think it's hard to verify <laughs> what our angels do. Um, but no, I, 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 I like to think that our angels pray with us. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know. I don't know. Favourite one. I mean, growing up, our family was big into the rosary and kind of cynical and that sort of thing. And Marty, as you aptly picked me up on the other day in a kind-hearted message, we probably don't pray the rosary enough. You know, we pray with the kids, but it's it's rarely the rosary. And it's, yeah, I don't know. We just haven't gotten that habit. And so for me, it's more kind of short prayers here and there, mm. at, you know, through the day um, when I'm having trouble, you know, with study all the time before I kind of study, when I'm kind of, you know, going to do a test, you know, grace with the kids. Yeah, giving thanks. That's what, a big one. Like I've really, I suppose, changed my way of praying a lot recently to give thanks for the things that are going well. I say some something we found which worked, I think really well was just saying one decade of the rosary after dinner. So you say grace before oh, dinner and then when everyone's finished, just one, it only takes like two minutes. And yeah, that's a good one. It works really well. You can't, you know, I don't have 20, you can say I don't have 20 minutes to say our rosary, but no one can say they don't have two and a half minutes. Yeah. And so how have you found it for your kids getting older and older, Marty, like through the kind of teenage years in faith? My, my son is now massively devoted to the rosary has been saying the prayers of St. Bridget, which is a 365-day devotion, 15, 15 prayers a day, and he's mm -hmm. about seven or eight months through it, which I don't know who roped him into doing it, but the promises <laughs> that Jesus made to St. Bridget of the people who do this 365-day devotion are quite amazing. And mm -hmm. he is, I mean, you see the change in him is, is amazing. On top of that, he's he, yeah, he'll say at least a rosary a day and he'll say um, various other novenas. He prays for all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. um, my little one is nine and she, um, yeah, she surprised me because um, we've given her rosary beads and stuff and she tells me one night I went to tuck her in and she says, I've, uh, I've said three and I've got one to go. So what are you talking about? And she put her rosary beads. said, I've got three, said three decades. And I've got, I said, You've got two to go. Go, oh, oh, hold on. Oh, there's five. <laughs> so um, Nice, nice. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's quite amazing. Father Dave, you've obviously got a, you have a life that is saturated 
in prayer. Mm. Do, you, do you at the moment, I imagine it might change in time, but do you have anything right now that's really your, your comfort moment in prayer as far as the, the various devotions and, and disciplines that you have? Kind of more the contemplative prayer these days. Probably a bit hard to try and explain what that looks like because it's not so much a, a verbal prayer or a practice. But um, yeah, I just find myself kind of enjoying just getting lost in God mm. at all sorts of moments. So, yeah. Well, Dave and Eva, thank you very much for joining us today. It's really nice to hear about your story uh, at a much deeper level and uh, to, to have you share that with us and with all the listeners. We wish you all the best for the years ahead and all these big decisions that are ahead of you, particularly with your study and the transition that you make as a family. Uh, it's always beautiful to, to see you and to get to see the children. And I was blown away because of coronavirus. I haven't been able to travel for most of this year. So when I arrived here two days ago, the kids had grown up so much, uh, both physically, but also in character. So uh, all the best with your continued parenting and the domestic church here in your home. Father Dave, could I ask please that you wrap up this podcast with a, with a prayer and a blessing in particular for their marriage? Uh, not yeah, necessarily sure. a contemplative one. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just sit in silence for three hours. And, uh... Cue the silence. <laughs> Lord, we just pray you pour out your blessing on this beautiful couple to strengthen them and their children and give them greater faith to follow your path as you lead them. Lord, we just thank you for all that we've discussed. Pray for those who are listening to us that you'll pour your blessing upon us and on them. Pray a blessing on us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Lady Mother of God. Pray for us. Oh, I meant to ask you, Eva. Could you, obviously you've got a strong accent there, but uh, would you mind, I find the Austrian accent quite unique. I'm not Schwarzenegger, you mean? Oh, could you could you repeat a few phrases after me? Yes. Yeah. Could you please repeat the phrase "get to the chopper"? Get to the chopper. Bit bit more aggression. Get to the chopper. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and in a slightly deeper voice. Yeah, two octaves. It's <laughs> a line of Arnold Schwarzenegger. How about <laughs> hasta, hasta la vista, baby? Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> 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 nice. Well, I was going to say it's good to um, meet you, Eva, because you know Dave's always spoken nicely, you know, about you. But you know, what is this? What is this lingering, you know, doubt of whether you actually existed? So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> here I am. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>